Hello, and welcome to The Feminine Gathering, a judgment-free and safe space to share stories of collective healing and to liberate the divine feminine within us. I'm Deborah, And I'm Gemma. We're your hosts, and together we've created this space to welcome you to listen and chat with us as we discover how feminine and masculine archetypes play a role in our lives as we navigate these energies together. We explore how to step into our personal power by expressing our authentic selves. The Divine Feminine has been suppressed for far too long, and it's time we come together to set her free. This is more than a movement. This is a paradigm shift. Thank you for joining us. And as this is our podcast launch, as a thank you, we're giving away one healing and coaching session with me, Gemma, and one tarot reading with Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot of our podcast and tag us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering, and we'll choose two lucky winners. In this episode, we talk about masculine and feminine energies and how these archetypes can show up in our lives and the influence that they have on us. The narrative of turning our personal pain into personal empowerment and claiming our authentic voice. If I think about what does feminine empowerment mean and then how does that then synergize with feminine and feminine energy? So for me, I think feminine empowerment, I mean, if we look back to like our ancestry, um, so I came to realize just recently that I'm the, I'm, I was the second person in my generation of women to ever go to university. Um, and so the belief systems that I have now are very unique, different to the ones of my ancestors and the people that lived before me. And so there's a lot around empowerment that's also about awareness and bringing our own awareness and consciousness into the situation that's then showing up in our life. So if we think about empowerment as personal empowerment, like what can we do to empower ourselves to be better? I think that for me, that's where my self-development journey started. And it started because I was in such a dark place. And we've spoken about this, touched upon it previously, about the dark night of the soul. And um, do you think there's a turning point in all of our lives? And I don't think there has to be a turning point in order for you to go down a journey of you know, self-development, spiritual development, etc. But for me, that's definitely a part that played out. And I had to make a decision really in my life as to whether or not I was going to stay stagnant where I was and be very deeply unhappy in the relationship that I was in and the lifestyle that I was living or if I was going to change that and I knew from a higher purpose higher sense of self about it was about eight years ago now it needed to change but that that wasn't an excuse when I left a long-term relationship and there was a quote that I posted on my Instagram at the time that said she needed a hero so that's what she became and for me that was a sense of the beginning of my journey of empowerment to, to reclaim back my life and actually step into a position that was very difficult it was one of the most difficult decisions and hardest things I ever went through in my life not because of like the breakup or because I had to claim my power, but because of everything else that I was avoiding and that I had to step into and and really see in order to take control of my life and and take myself in the journey and and into the, you know, into the next step and open the next door, basically. So for me, like, that's where my empowerment journey started, I suppose. And it's really then about navigating what you're conscious of, what's really in your awareness, 
and, and really breaking the chains and the limitations of, you know, the generations that came before us. You know, the women in my life have inspired and empowered me in so many ways, but we could also look at that in two different sides of the spectrum as opposed to like what's feminine and what's masculine. Like I, I don't have that many feminine women in my life that are like leaders. They're actually very masculine. But then like the feminine women that I do have physically in my life have really been there as a nurturing figure. So then we can also talk about, you know, the, the masculine and feminine and what that really means. So when you talk about um, having these masculine figures in your life, such as like your father um, I think you had mentioned your brother. At what point, and then I can then segue into, you know, what I think about feminine and masculine energies, but I think it's just very fascinating. Like, at what point did you realize that, like, you know, you didn't really need to be like them, you needed to be like you and what that looked like as far as, like, femininity goes? Yeah, that's a, that's a really powerful question. And I think the the masculine energies that I had in my life, I didn't want to be like all of them, but I felt some kind of externalization towards their validation that I needed in order to be myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that somewhat defined me up until a certain point. Um, and it wasn't until I think maybe two or three years ago now, um, I done a lot of work around values and belief systems. And I realized that a lot of the beliefs that I held weren't actually my beliefs, but they were the, the beliefs almost of my brother, of like a masculine energy, you know, the, the, um, the go-getter, the be successful, the do really good in your corporate career or in your business or in sales or in the real estate market, which is, interestingly, my brother and I followed the same path very indirectly. You know, I went to university, he set up a business, we both went into real estate, we both started investing um, and we were both in sales. And like, I had unconsciously, followed this path to be just like him because I believe that's what I needed to do in order to be successful and unconsciously in order to be loved and accepted by my parents. And I do think that we all have this unconscious belief um, very much embedded in us that we're not enough and that we won't be loved. And so we do everything we can at an unconscious level to um, basically align with that belief, right? Right. And so it wasn't until I really started to get under the skin of that and think about who I really was as a woman and explore my feminine energy that I felt that shift. And that was really tough because I don't think I would have really defined myself as like a feminine woman because I do think I really wore a mask. You know, I I do feel like not just in the corporate sales or real estate world, but also like with friends, with family and my relationships, I I think I was never really able to let people in because I was so scared to really be who I was. And that shifting point in me, I think I'm still working through it. You know, it's it's like, I'm not, I'm not sat here like, yeah, I'm super feminine now. Like I don't have masculine energy. I definitely have both. And one of the beauties I think of, of going into this awareness and this journey is, is the understanding of what a masculine energy looks like and what feminine energy could be for you, not by definition, but what that feels like for you and, and the fun duality of exploring both, you know? And I think for me, I just spent so much of my life spiraling into masculine energy that I wasn't able to explore my authenticity, which I feel is a more of a feminine quality for me personally. And and that's really where I'm at now is that duality of both. I can delve into to my masculine energy when I need to, but I can also step out and go into a meditation and have very spiritual and heartfelt conversations with 
people like yourself and um and really embrace who I actually am and and that for me is actually really empowering also Oh my, well, first of all, thank you uh, for saying that and for inviting me into, into that world, do you understand? And, and being uh, vulnerable enough and trusting enough for you to be able to open up to me in that way, right? And I think that's why we're doing what we're doing because of that connection that we have. And I feel that not only that, you and I have very similar stories in the sense of finding this kind of feminine counterpart to ourselves that I don't think that we really understood that existed uh, or maybe we did so at some conscious level no but we just didn't really understand what that meant and I think so many of us as as humans in this world are probably having the difficulty of understanding that same duality that you're speaking of this masculine feminine duality what that means and how that plays out in our lives and I think it's very important to understand it and to recognize that it exists and you don't need to necessarily need to be more than one or the other i mean again if you want to right i think this is a personal choice but i do think that the whole concept of divine masculine and divine feminine is understanding that there is a duality and there has to be a balance between both right because otherwise i don't think it's really considered divine and I mean, I think that's something that we can probably get into at another point. But I think when we're talking about divine or, or we're talking about masculine and feminine energies, it's important to sort of define what that means. So when we speak about masculine energies, we're talking about that sort of go-getter attitude, the action-oriented, the planner, the organizer, the authority, the provider, uh, these are like some of the archetypes that are related to masculine energies and also the more logical side of us, right? And it's funny that you say that you looked up to your father, you looked up to your brother, and you subconsciously, like you just said, I have to be like them. I have to be like these people for me to feel loved, or for, for me to be accepted and validated. And I think so much of us go through the same thing. And I've never actually thought about it that way because I didn't have like an older brother uh, growing, I mean, I technically did, but they lived in another country, right? So I didn't grow up with them. But I did have my father, and I just realized like how much of my father I like emulated, right? And how much of him I tried to become. And I mean, I think it's very important to have these masculine figures in our lives to be inspiration, especially if they are. Uh, you know, good inspirations and they're, they're healthy people. But I think it's also somewhat of a detriment if we don't have uh, that divine counterpart as maybe our mothers or, or another female there to be as just as strong as, a, as an influence. And I don't know about you, but at least for me, my mother, I love my mother, right? Like she's not a bad woman, but she just definitely wasn't that sort of strong influence, that as strong of an influence as my father was, right? And when I think about my own journey, about, you know, how I started to realize that I also, there was definitely an imbalance within me, uh, what was going on, like why I was also feeling the same as you, you know, like, am I really living my authentic life am i being authentic to me what does that look like you know why are things not going the way that i 
think that they should be going? What does that even mean for me? Am I doing what I want to do? Or am I doing things because others told me that this is the way, right? And I think in that journey, I realized that there was a big part of me missing and it was that feminine counterpart, which what does that look like? Well, I mean, that's like the feminine archetypes are what are related to the feminine uh, archetypes are the, you know, the patient mother, the giver, the nurturer, the more intuitive person who really just goes with the, like the, with the gut feeling. She's also gentle, compassionate, vulnerable, but also expressive, creative. And these are just things that I don't think I really understood was so important to have as a woman growing up in this very kind of capitalistic economy, right? And it's fascinating to me seeing that I'm not the only one, right, who had this sort of experience, like realizing, oh, wait, there has to be more. There's something that's missing. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And then figuring out, oh, it's probably because I've been trying to do the things that my dad told me to do or I saw that my dad did so I wanted to be like my dad or like other men in my life and not really realizing that there's a big chunk of this whole idea of women and how important women were in my life and not having that sort of balance and I think the whole point of this um thing that we're doing here right this podcast is to really hold a space for other people in this world you know women or not even women because I feel like men also have this issue uh where like there's just a big imbalance and having them find their own voices and realize where these changes can be made where they can heal from and how they can find their authentic selves their true selves and and liberate these these counterparts within them if that makes any sense literally got goosebumps from so much of what you've just said so thank you so much like you honestly you give me so much light and there's so much to unpick almost just from what you've shared and you've just made me realize from from sharing that so so honestly about you know looking to your father as as a figure to you know almost like as a motivating figure in your life like that they're the ones kind of leading the way or that we have to kind of seek that validation from. And I was thinking as you were saying it, that, um, you know, like my great grandmother, so I'm in my early thirties and my great grandmother was the first person in her generation, in my generation. And for all those that come after me that had the rights of women that we currently know of today, mm-hmm. you know, when we talk about uh, feminine empowerment and feminine and masculine, like literally the women's rights movements were less than a hundred years ago. So yes when we think about how that's been passed down generationally and then how we're sort of raised. And I wonder, you know, how we're raised as children, the the unconsciousness of, of allowing or just not allowing in a conscious way, but like the, the man kind of takes that role in the family. But does that mean that we're really missing out on that duality from, from the feminine leaders in our life, from our mothers, from our sisters, our friends. And, you know, because it's a sense of conditioning, isn't it? We've, been conditioned through hundreds of years through everything that we know you know through our ancestry and it's really about us it's not 
sat here saying, oh, all of this bad stuff happened and I can't do anything about it. It's like, well, actually, no, like there's so much empowerment in taking that back and actually healing that generationally and how we can heal those wounds by being aware of the things that, you know, came before us in our lives, like ancestrally from, you know, our parents, from our mothers and from our fathers and our grandparents and their great grandparents to, to really break that chain and to give our children the opportunity to, to have a life that is more conscious and more aware and free from the limitations that we've been so proactively wanting to shape up for such a long time. Right. No, I, and I agree. And I think that you, you kind of just nailed it because when you think about it, this really is a generational thing and it's a cultural thing too. I mean, we can also talk about how it's a patriarchal thing, right? Um, But it's really interesting how, you know, you said that, you know, your grandmother was there for the women's rights movement. I mean, my parents are immigrants, like they didn't have women's rights women, especially, I mean, my parents are from Cuba, so Cuba around that time was going through their whole, you know, the regime with Castro and, you know, feeling uh, half of the country, you just feeling like, okay, this is not, this is not okay. Like we don't want a, a communism. We, this is not where we we're trying to go. And then fleeing from that and, and uh, coming to the United States. And so by the time that my parents got to the United States, the whole women's rights movement, you know, had passed, but they were now integrating into a new country, into a whole new culture. And what did that look like for them? And then when I think about it, like they didn't really have that culture from the, the Americans, right? Uh, they had to sort of like just integrate and take what they knew and then learn along the way. And so how much of my rate, like how, my upbringing was also influenced by just the Hispanic culture, like the Latin community, like the culture. And, and I mean, we have to be honest, like when it comes to Latin America, it is very machista, you know, or, or machismo, or it is very patriarchal. The man is the provider, is the head of the household. And then not that there aren't instances where women can also be, because I know grandmothers tend, especially in our culture, are like the matriarchs and stuff. But I mean, when it comes to the nuclear family, it's really dad, right? For the most part and um, how that looks like. So it's just so crazy thinking about how these generational, I, 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 mean, I was going to say curses, but it's not even a curse. It's just a tradition. It's just the way it was. This is how they had to do the things. And we are here now talking about it because we've been educated, right? We've had the privilege of being able to, you know, educate ourselves and see things from a different perspective, maybe something and an opportunity that our parents and our grandparents didn't have, right? And it's just so crazy to me that, you know, I'm the first generation in my family to go to college. And the way that I see things is completely different, right? From what like my mother would see things. I mean, my father is now passed. So Unfortunately, I can't have these conversations with him, but it definitely would have been interesting to be like, hey, dad, let's, uh, let's talk for a minute about uh, these whole masculine and feminine concepts. Like, what do you think, right? Because it would have been really interesting. My father was a very educated man and, and erudite, but he was still, you know, very, uh, what's the word? Like just ingrained in that sort of Latin, I'm a man sort of culture. So it just would have been really interesting to see. And you know, with my mom now, she just sees things completely differently. Like she is, she was the housewife, 
you know, she was the provider, like the nurturer, not the provider, the nurturer. She didn't, she hardly even worked in her life, um, which now is kind of like, kind of, she's seeing the consequences of that now as an older woman, right? Especially in the United States, where if you don't work a certain amount of years, you're not going to get the social security that you're owed, right? Because it all depends on how much you work. And so it's just really interesting to see that and to grow up and, and just see how the man, the, the masculine archetype, the male archetype with the female archetype and what that, how that they come together and create a home in these, in this way and how us as the children um, interpret it and grow from it and heal from it and then create our own realities, right? Absolutely. And I think you've made such a beautiful point there, especially around like tradition and culture and how that feeds through into um, into our lives as we know it now, just by looking back through that ancestral line. And what you mentioned there as well about patriarchal, you know, the patriarchal belief systems and, and where does the woman sit within that? You know, almost like the submissive, you know, mm-hmm. the secondary, not Absolutely. the breadwinner, but, you know, the stay at home, the, the dependent on. And there is, there was nothing wrong with that. And there isn't anything wrong with it today. And I don't think this is about a right or wrong way to live. I think there's a lot of respect for traditions and culture um, when we go back through and navigate this. But it does kind of beg the question then, what does that look like now? Because, you know, the traditions and culture from our generations from 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, are not necessarily prevalent in our modern world you know the world has evolved and changed as humans we've evolved and changed and are we really keeping up with that because unconsciously our brains are still wired the way they were 100 years ago right Mm -hmm. so it isn't really until you start to really do the research and understand how this all works that you can start to break it down and actually create and consciously create something very unique for yourself and that's relevant for your life or certainly how you want it to be and I wonder what um, your thoughts are Deborah um, when we think about traditions and culture and looking at the masculine and the feminine archetypes you know what they have been traditionally have they changed generationally you know that's a really good question I'm not I don't know if I can probably give a really like accurate answer just because like you said I think this really looks different in different cultures and amongst individuals right and so but what i think i am seeing and what i definitely do feel is that the feminine archetype is is being or what we call liberated right i think it's just it's finally coming out it's finally being released into the world and, and 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 like this understanding of like it's okay, you know, she should exist. She needs to be part of this world just as much as the masculine. Well, before I feel it was very repressed, just kind of pushed aside as not good enough. And, you know, I, as a woman, even feel guilty sometimes because I definitely grew up with the idea that being the homemaker, like the, the, the housewife was not good enough. Like that was not going to be okay for me as a woman. And I realized how much of that was conditioning from like not only, and I wouldn't say my father, because my father never told me that, but I would say just like the type of world that we live in today, like the, the capitalistic sort of world that we live in. And so, but thankfully now, with all these movements uh, going and and again, education and globalization and social media and everything just becoming so much more widely accepted and not accepted, but used um, the idea of the feminine coming out and, and 
being present is definitely becoming more accepted and just trying to understand what that means in our lives, not only as a collective, but as individuals. And like you said, I think that looks different for everyone, but it's definitely important to understand that we, everybody, I mean, male, female, anything in between, it doesn't really matter. We all have divine, these divine counterparts within us. We both have both masculine and feminine energies. How does that show up in our lives? And how can we use those and balance them out so that we can live our most authentic and fulfilled lives? You understand? And I think I think that's where we're definitely going with this. Yeah, no, definitely. Thank you so much. You've explained that really beautifully. And I think there, there are so many different factors that Im- impact our lives. Like we have our own blueprint. Like we're so unique as humans, you know, where we've come from, where we were born into generationally, the environments that we were raised in at school, at college, at uni, in our jobs, you know, the people around us that we grew up as kids, you know, our social environments. There's so many different factors that are ingrained upon us, you know, as young children. And so those belief systems and those values that we gain as children and we develop throughout our lives become who we are as adults. And I think up until a certain point in our lives, you know, we don't have the accessibility of knowledge or know-how to really think about this and say, oh, or to challenge it, you know, and choose a different direction. And I know for me, certainly, I I guess I I reached a crossroads in my life where I realized that I I, I had a choice. And that was from, you know, listening to educators, to coaches, to podcasts, reading books, like going into this self-development and spiritual world, realizing that I had that power of choice. And what I didn't know until quite later was actually how to access that liberated feminine. And I'm going to ask you if, if you don't mind putting some thoughts in, if you feel comfortable to answer. I mean, yeah. when we think about that feminine archetype, because we are so drawn, and I, I don't know if this is just you and I, or, and I wonder for the people listening, if they would share their thoughts in regards to, you know, were they raised with more of a sort of masculine-led mask and patriarchal systems do they feel like they tapped into that masculine masculinity more and if so why or did they feel like they were more driven towards feminine or did they feel they had a a happy balance and, and a duality throughout their life because I'm really interested to hear that I know for me certainly it was much more driven towards the masculine and I think for you as well Mm -hmm. so how do we meet her this liberated feminine that we're able to bring into our lives in our consciousness how what kind of tools and strategies what's worked for you Deborah? you know it's amazing I'm so happy that you asked that question because it's something that I definitely am still I, w- I wouldn't say not learning but because I feel like I've learned I think right now it's about applying and evolving right and so for me it's just started to look like funny enough it started to look like vulnerability and I think that was like the biggest lesson for me as a woman was to learn vulnerability for myself, like within myself and like outside of myself and what that looked like and accepting that within me. Because as, you know, growing up, you, this concept of vulnerability just really wasn't spoken about. Not even, not definitely not at home and not even in school. I just don't even think that either our grade school or university really talk about or touch these concepts of like what vulnerability looks like and how important that is, which is why I appreciate Brene Brown so much and her like work because she does some amazing stuff on like this concept of vulnerability and, and how that really is 
strong and it is a source of strength. And so when I started realizing that my issue was just, I was not vulnerable. I didn't allow myself to be me, you know, sad or, or weak. I didn't allow myself to be uncertain. I didn't allow myself to be unstructured. I didn't allow myself to be upset. Like I could, if I was upset, I just didn't allow myself for others to really see that unless I felt like it was necessary and still some sort of change, right? So like when you get angry and you like show others you're angry so that you can sort of establish some sort of power. But otherwise, if I was upset or like disappointed and I didn't really want anybody to see that or know that, they just didn't, right? And this big shift in me came upon realizing that I needed to be vulnerable. Like if I wanted to make my relationships work and if I wanted my relationships to be healthy, I had to let my guard down. I couldn't always be the strong one. I couldn't always have all my shit together. I couldn't always know everything about everything. You know, I had to let others also put in their opinions or let me know what they knew or just see things from different perspectives. And I just had this idea that like, I just knew what I was doing all the time and I knew where I was going and I knew how I had to act and how I didn't have to act and everything had to be organized. And if it didn't have a logical explanation, I didn't want to hear it. And it was just so crazy for me to think that like now as, as who I am now, I just can't even believe that that's who I was then. And it's just so important for me now for others to realize that we need, if we want to see the feminine liberated, if we want to feel more balanced within ourselves and understand what femininity looks like, starting from a place of vulnerability is so important because I think that just opens up the doors to other things like intuition or, you know, compassion or patience even just just being patient and just letting things sort of like flow understanding the concept of going with the flow what that really means and that then further opens another door to like reduce stress because now you have the time and now you have the patience and now you're meditating or you're just giving yourself these moments that maybe before you didn't give yourself and so definitely for me feminine and like femininity and vulnerability just go hand in hand. And I don't see how we can really say we're in balance or we're trying to, you know, liberate this feminine aspect of ourselves if we can't start from a place of vulnerability. That is so powerful, <laughs> so beautiful. I think, wow, like feminine, femininity and vulnerability going hand in hand. I think when I said, you know, like, how do we meet her and, and that ability to be vulnerable? I think there's two aspects of that, because on one side of the spectrum, we can sit and be vulnerable and honest with ourselves. But I think there's an externalized aspect of, of people holding that space for you in your life as well. I know for me, certainly, I mentioned previously that I've, for the most part, had very masculine leaders in my life, like within my family, but also within my career, but not so much in my friendship groups. But where I spend most of my time Monday to Friday is is within work. And, and there was actually a turning point for me last year or was it the year before now? I can't keep track on the, the pandemic. <laughs> fine. But, uh, pandemic timeline. Time. 
there was a time where I'm sure many people can relate that, you know, during the pandemic and lockdowns that I really hit a, a point of rock bottom and I just didn't feel like I was able to cope. And because of my conditioning, because of how I am, you know, in the workplace, I still wear a masculine mask, but I can deal with the feminine too. I was very, very, very scared to tell anybody what was really going on. Mm-hmm. And I be hard to speak up and it actually took it to that point of almost the dark night of the soul yeah. that we alluded to earlier where there was really that breaking point for me and I had to speak up and I remember having a conversation with my managing director and just I just said a few words and all she all she said was just I, I was embarrassed because I was crying and I couldn't stop and she said don't stop don't try and stop crying allow it to just flow let it out and it was like, and I did. And there was something so sacred in that moment where this, you know, this female leader that I've had in my life, that I've been not scared of, like we had a great relationship, but to sit and cry in that environment and really be authentically who I was and sit with my pain and be really vulnerable in a professional setting was was just that it was vulnerable you know it was Mm -hmm. one of the most vulnerable positions that I've ever been in at work and she really held that space for me and it was because she did it was because she gave me that permission to really be who I am that I started to really navigate my authentic self in work and it took me a while to come through that and navigate that and get myself to a better place mentally because of what I was going through at the time but when I did and when I've come out of that and risen I'm I'm so much happier. I'm so much more fulfilled in in that area of my life because I don't feel like I need to be this person that I'm not. And I definitely think it kind of comes back, you know, almost like a 360 back to what we've been conditioned to believe in and, and that sense of suppression of our authentic self. But that real need for somebody to sit and hold space for us. And as as women, whether it's about, you know, feminine dualities or not, we all have a need to be heard and to be seen. And I see it in my life regularly, in all, not just in mine, but all around us, that as humans, we, we want to do so much to help people. You know, in fact, I think we'll do more for other people than we'll ever do for ourselves. And we want to give advice. We want to take people away from their pain. But do we ever give them permission to sit with it and let it in? And that's with ourselves, but also allowing somebody else to do that. You know, and quite often now in conversations when I'm, I'm speaking to friends and I'm, I'm just needing to, to share what's going on, sometimes you, I just say, like, can you just listen? I don't need advice right now. And that's actually been a really big shift in my relationship with my mum because she's the mask wearer, <laughs> uh, doesn't have the nurturing kind of quality, and, but I really want a relationship with her, but I find it really difficult when all she wants to do is give me advice and direction when I just want somebody to hold me and listen. And having that ability to kind of vocalise that and and share that, which is also quite vulnerable. She never really know what someone's going to say, right? Um, mm-hmm. Has definitely been a really big shift for me personally. You know, Gemma, you actually just touched upon something that I just kind of am wondering. And, and so if you don't mind sharing, do you think, do you think that things would have probably been different if your boss was a man? Like, do you think that he, if it was a man who was at the point at that time of your of of how you felt like you felt vulnerable and you needed to express yourself you needed somebody to hold that space if that was a man what do you think it would have been different for you as not only like the outcome but like even for you to be able to express yourself i would like to think that 
regardless of who in that position had to hold that space in that conversation, that the outcome would have been like, you know, have the space and and we're here to support you. I'd like to think that that would have been the case. But if I think about my position personally, and certainly in with my background and career in, in, in that kind of corporate environment, mm-hmm. I think that there's a difference when we look at masculinity. So when I think, oh, is that a man or was it a woman? I think it's more about, I could answer that question if it was like, if it was a mature masculine or was it like Mm -hmm. a immature masculine? I do think that immature masculinity, perhaps the lack of awareness and ability to hold space for somebody else. I don't know that I would ever have shared that with that person Mm -hmm. in the first place because Like, we're very intuitive as beings, our ability to read situations. I don't know if I ever would have opened up. Yeah. Mature masculine, it's really hard to say, you know, it really is. But I'm very aware of the difference in my life and my ability to then open up and be vulnerable. Because you said something before about vulnerability and our our emotional states, right? Like, I'm a very emotional woman. Mm -hmm. But up until, like, two years ago, I suppressed all of that. Because the people around me saw, like, my vulnerability as weakness. Like, my crying is weakness. Like, I was always told, like, don't cry or hold it together because they love me. And so they didn't want to see me upset. But then what I really needed in order to be myself was that authentic release to really just let it out. And, like, I cry now when I'm happy. I cry when I'm sad. I cry when I feel someone's pain. Like, it's, it's that's how I am. It's part of my blueprint. It's part of my nervous system. So... When I think about somebody else holding that space, I think we still have to be mindful and respectful of our own self and our own boundaries of who we let in, you know, because I think vulnerability isn't about opening up to everybody, but opening up to those select few that, you know, honor you and respect you and that you have that connection with. And I think we can all find that. And I think the more that you show up and be true to yourself, And for me, it might have been like the very fleeting moment where I was so damn shit scared to pick up the phone and have that conversation Mm -hmm. that I did. And the outcome of that was a consequence of, you know, the universe and and things conspiring back to me because they knew that was the right thing to do. Yeah. No, I think that's very powerful. And I think what you said about, you know, being able to be vulnerable, but also having boundaries is incredibly important because I think that's another, and that could definitely be a topic for another day, but that's definitely something I feel that we struggle with as a, as a collective with like what boundaries are and what they look like and how to establish them. And I think you even touched upon it with your mom, like saying like, hey mom, like I know you want to make sure I'm okay. You want to give me this advice. You just kind of want to like guide me. But right now I just don't need that from you. I just sort of need you to listen and hold that space for me so I can just be me. And that's so important that you're even able to vocalize that as and and in vocalizing that you're establishing a boundary and the fact that then it's being respected, right, is incredibly powerful and I just hope that you realize that that like you really are creating your reality because you're able to fully accept all these aspects within you right and both these masculine qualities and these feminine qualities and learning how to navigate through them which is I think the whole point right yeah no absolutely is and thank you so much and 
there's, it's not a straightforward path, you know, but it is about the journey. It's about learning along the way. And it's about sharing these stories with each other. And something that we're really passionate about, the both of us, Deborah and, and myself, in the Feminine Gathering is hearing how what has or hasn't worked for other people, right? And hearing their stories and wanting to kind of integrate that into these conversations because we don't have all the answers. We have our life experience, but like we have an abundance in this world of of feminine, females and masculine and men. And, you know, there's so many of us in this world that we can share and, and, you know, what works for one might not work for another. But I think it's really important to just keep that conversation going. And we'd absolutely love to hear from, from listeners if, you know, you'd be interested in touching upon any of the subjects that we've spoken about today, whether it's, you know, femininity or vulnerability, like leadership, whatever has sparked something in you if, if you'd like to share then we would absolutely love to hear from you oh a hundred percent and i think it's just very important to share these because the more that we the more stories that we get out there the more we can sort of facilitate this healing not only within us as individuals but as a, as a race as a collective and i think that we're then showing the world that no one's path has to be linear and no one's path has to look like anyone else's and it's okay you understand so the more that we get our voices out there not only just from you know myself and Gemma's voice but like all of you we can really just start to show again the world what that looks like for everybody and and inspire others to do the same within themselves absolutely it's so true you know there is no linear path here it's 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 messy and it's complex <laughs> and it's sometimes painful guys but you know what what's worse is, is sitting through that pain and never changing or sitting with it and knowing that you can liberate yourself and become more and be anything that you want you know you hold so much personal power inside of you we all do and we can learn to navigate that together you know we don't have to externalize that it doesn't have to be like this huge complex puzzle, you know, it's just one day at a time. It's one, you know, podcast, it's one chapter of a book, it's one conversation, it's one meditation, it's everything that can unfold and envelop into your life to help you navigate the next step. But there are, there's an abundance of people in the world and we're all here for you. We're all here to listen and to be a part of this kind of self-healing journey with each other. So yeah, I'm super, super grateful for anybody and everybody that is listening. I'm very grateful for Deborah because... We have just had this incredible connection and, and this ability to really navigate these conversations. So Deborah, thank you so much. And yeah, thank you to everybody that's listening as well. I really hope that you guys are able to share some stories and we look forward to welcoming some of you, hopefully, in the future for our next episodes. Yes, absolutely. And thank you also, Gemma, because you know that we couldn't have done this if both of us weren't on the same page and on the same sort of wavelength that we are on and... I just really appreciate you just being so open and, and you, because I don't think otherwise it wouldn't have worked out. So I cannot wait to hear what people say. What are they thinking about? Let us know and we'll see you next time. Thank you for sharing this space with us today. And if we've resonated with you, we'd love to know. And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and you can find us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering. And remember, as this is our podcast launch, we are giving away one clarity coaching or healing session with Gemma and one tarot reading with me, Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot 
of our podcast and tag us on Instagram and we'll choose two lucky winners. And until then, let's continue to navigate this new paradigm together.